Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Football.com and a DLF family and podcast. That's Travis the Beard Rasmussen. I feel weird going first, John, but I so the craziest thing keeps happening, man. Every time I get undressed in the bathroom, my shower gets turned on. Nice. Yeah, that's. Uh, I got you on that one. Yeah, yeah like I said last week, it's, nice, the, it's nice. the slightly dirty ones. That's that's the key. <laughs> I am John, the Wrangler of Rookies, Hogan. This is a Super Flex Super Show. Cheering for Baker Mayfield from Thursday through Monday led to a bout with bronchitis for James the Brain. So Travis and I are left doing the work of a thousand men and sorting through a ton of quarterback turnover in week three. The rookie class bursts onto the scene. Jimmy GQ becomes Jimmy IR after a torn Jimmy ACL. Plus, upsets galore in week three means a ton of player evaluations to revisit. I'd say we learned a lot more than we expected in week three. So let's get into that with This Week I Learned. What'd you learn, Travis? So first thing I learned this week is... The games in which Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson are both productive for fantasy owners will be few and far between. Uh, I, I think I wasn't the only one that read that game script wrong, thinking that Aaron Rodgers could put up some points on the uh, Washington Redskins, but that was not the case. The Redskins led the entire game, and Adrian Peterson got fed, and Chris Thompson was useless. Uh, it was supposed to go the opposite way where Chris Thompson was going to be peppered with targets and Adrian Peterson was going to be useless. But yeah, basically the game in which, the game in which they're both going to be used enough to be productive, those aren't going to come along very often. So those two guys, it's all going to be about reading the game script properly. And man, I was so down on Adrian Peterson going into the season, but this Washington defense is sneaky good, and uh, that's going to make it. I I kind of think it's going to be Adrian Peterson's game script way more often than Chris Tom, Chris Thompson, just because of what that defense can do and uh, the situations that they can they can put the the offense in. Uh, the first thing I actually I'm going to do one for James. He did give us some notes. Um, he just uh, wasn't. He's not here to deliver them himself, but we're still gonna we're gonna yeah, stand in for him. He says bronchitis, but I think we both know it's just the celebration hangover. <laughs> yeah, brown bag flu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he still had some very specific thoughts that we're gonna throw out there for him. So, it might be a little crazy because I think that I mean he put he made these notes over the weekend. Yeah, 
<laughs> and we, you know, he was on the floor in a bathroom most of the time, I think. <laughs> Probably. So, <laughs> thoughts from James the Brain from his bathroom floor. Ready, set, go. <laughs> All right, so the first one. This year's quarterback class was really good, meaning the rookies. Uh, He mentions Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. Now Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen are both taking over starting jobs as well. This uh, It does look like an all-time quarterback class. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily going to work out that way. Um, Josh Allen played probably the game of his life against Minnesota. Sam Darnold really hasn't actually looked that good in the regular season. Um, Baker Baker looked sharp, and Josh Rosen came into an um, impossible situation, so we haven't really seen anything that we could that we could possibly, you know, glean from uh, from Josh Rosen as a, as a starter uh, just yet. I mean, still pretty uh, pretty optimistic, but we haven't we just haven't seen enough yet to have any kind of idea whatsoever. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a TBD. Yeah, I, I'd love. I wish James was here to defend this one because I mean they're all starting. Yeah, but I don't know that any of them have looked great. I mean Baker is obviously the goat, so you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we got that. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I still think Josh Rosen's going to be amazing. But yeah, I mean, it's. I it's hope so, just, man. Oh, uh, man. It it cannot be worse than Sam Bradford. That's true. All right, so Steve here's. Steve Wilkes and Mike McCoy, though. Uh, yeah. Oh, Mike McCoy might need to be the, the next change that needs to be made. And maybe before you make him. Make Josh Rosen spend an entire week prepping with him. Maybe. Like that. Let's get him out of there and uh, and move onward and upward. Yeah, he's only had that job for three weeks. He's going to be around way too long, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, too long. All right, so here's something I learned this week that the Rams were, the Rams were so good they were beating teams a week before they even played them. I mean, everything is different now, by the way, without those two cornerbacks. Aqib Tlaib misses at least, it looks like he's going to miss at least a month. Marcus Peters probably misses a game or two with injuries, and that was a big part of what they were doing. But also, Jared Goff is red hot. Todd Gurley leads the league in uh, both carries and touchdowns. I I believe touchdowns. Uh, Don't quote me on that one. I don't have it in front of me, but... The offense is clicking. The defense is was looking impenetrable before they lost those two corners. And I got to be honest, I give a lot of the credit for the Buffalo Bills upset of the Minnesota Vikings to the fact that the Vikings this Thursday have to play the Rams. I think they were looking past the Bills, and uh, that's that's what led to that upset. So the fact that the Rams are beating already beating teams psychologically a week in advance <laughs> says a lot about how good that team is. I was wondering what the hell you were talking about. You you got there though. <laughs> yeah. All right. The second thing I learned this week is the NFL is just freaking crazy sometimes, man. And there's always going to be a level of just complete randomness that no one is capable of predicting. I.e., that Vikings Bills game. Just absolutely insane game. I mean, 
you could have asked 10,000 fantasy football quote unquote analysts and not a single one of them would have told you that that's how that game would have went. It's just, it's, there's just this randomness that we can't account for. And that's kind of what makes it fun. Uh, but it makes us look really wrong sometimes too, but that's okay. Uh, and another one was that Packers Redskins game. We talked about it a little bit already, but yeah, I mean, just, it's just crazy. You know, you think that this team, uh, you think that the Vi- or the Packers are going to be able to come in and just easily, easily win that game or at least stay competitive. I mean, they weren't even competitive in that game. And Alex Smith is just doing Alex Smith, I guess. <laughs> and the 32 year old Adrian Peterson's coming in and, and rushing for over a hundred and something yards. It's just, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. Seriously. But it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. Plus Detroit beats new England in a way that we didn't expect with the running game. Right. I, yep. It, you know, that, that hasn't been something that Detroit does. And then, uh, Tennessee wins a girl fight over Jacksonville. So yeah, that was an insane game too. After Jacksonville put up 37 on New England the week before, yeah, they come in and they put six points up against Tennessee. Like, yeah. man, it's just there. There's always this level of just complete unpredictability. Yeah, and that's why everybody said, you know, it's it's all about being 60 percent right. Like, no, you know, if you can be 55, 60 percent right, you're you're gonna do well. Yeah. Just because there's, it's just so, this league is so crazy week to week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. And each week kind of has its own, its own story a little bit. But, um, so the next one from James here in uh, week three, he learned that the New England Patriots dynasty is over. This one also, (laughs) to me, feels a little premature, but, uh, I, I can, I can, this one's a little easier to get behind than the quarterback class, anointing them already, <laughs> <laughs> because the Patriots did look really bad. I mean, granted, they were playing against a guy who knows how to game plan against them because he's been doing it in practice, you know, every every game for uh, or every week for basically his entire career up until, you know, the first couple weeks of this NFL season and Matt Patricia, so... I, I think that he might have had a little bit of an advantage on game planning against Tom Brady and company, but um, it, they also they did look pretty bad. I've, I'll, I'll definitely say that. Plus, they'll get, they're getting Edelman back. Josh Gordon might do something. Yeah, we'll we'll see. They've always played worse in September than they have the rest of the year. So, yeah, that's that's been part of the the quote unquote Patriot way has been you know, treating those early season games like an extension of the preseason, kind of figure out what you've got and how you're going to use guys, and then, you know, mash the gas in October and beyond. So, Sony we'll, Michelle, baby. Yep, exactly. We're going to talk about him for sure. All right, so the last thing that I learned in week three, it right now for fantasy purposes, it's a seller's market on quarterbacks and wide receivers and a buyer's market on running backs, which is why we don't draft running backs early. You can you can get running backs from a number of sources. You can get them extremely cheap. Here doing our Superflex SOPs, I found more running backs than I could count 
that you could either add off of waivers or that you could trade for and get them at a fairly low price. So, and, and I mean, that's just gonna, that's gonna be an ongoing trend. Whereas the wide receivers and quarterbacks, particularly in a super flex league, these guys are going to be really hard to come by to a point where people are going to overspend on CJ Bethard as crazy it is to, to say that. I mean, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who you should break the bank on, on, uh, on waivers this week, but I think you're going to have to. So with that being said, let's get into the Superflex SOPs for this week. We'll start with ads and drops. Three players from each of us, all different positions. 33% ownership or less on Yahoo. And uh, let's start with you, Travis. Give us, a, a, give us two or three of those. Yeah, that's football.fantasysports.yahoo.com <laughs> forward slash F1 forward slash 57031. <laughs> That's your exact league. That does. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that's that's where we're that's where we're getting this data from. <laughs> All right, my, my my first one here is a running back. It's Wendell Smallwood. Uh, he is one percent owned right now. And props to John on this one. He called Smallwood on his this week, next week pick last week, while everyone was on the Corey Clement bag bandwagon coming into the week, and we all know that the Eagles use a running back by committee no matter whose name is on the back of those jerseys. So good call there, John. Uh, little old Wendell Smallwood sitting there on the waiver wire for free on that offense that we know splits up the work. And Wendell Smallwood came out on top this week. He finished as the running back 10 on the week. He looked awesome too. He was legitimately just running through dudes. He was gaining tough yards. Um, if a, if JJ and Darren Sproles miss another week, Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement will both be flex options. I mean, it's not a guarantee that he's, you know, the, the one there by any means, uh, but he's definitely usable and he's still out there. And I, I mean, I don't know that you're going to have to spend a lot on him either. I bet you can still get him for under 10 bucks. What do you think, John? Yeah, probably. I mean, JJ comes back, Darren Sproles comes back. And I think that people are going to be a little bit, a little bit nervous about Wendell Smallwood, you know his his role going forward. But like you said, I mean he he was he was explosive. He was he was hitting the hole hard. He was running through arm tackles. I, to me, he looked like the better back of the two. And Cor- and that's saying something because Cor- Corey Clement looked awesome as well. But Wendell Smallwood was the better back, so. I, I think that yeah. they've got to find a way to get him on the field. Yeah, I think it, it probably is a pretty short-term situation here. I mean, they're going to use a Jai when a Jai is healthy. but Yeah, and he could be in and out of the lineup, though, throughout the season. Yeah, true. So, yeah, Smallwood is going to be – he's going to be a usable back off and on throughout the season, I think. Yeah, I don't know how many starts you're going to get out of him, but – He's definitely worth owning, and I think you'll get a few. All right, my next pickup of the week is a tight end. It's Vance McDonald, my boy Vance, 11% owned right now. He was my next week this week, last week, because he's awesome. Uh, Also because the Steelers have been talking about getting him involved for months now and using him as a focal point of the offense, which is, you know, coach speak, and people say that all the time. But in his first game back from injury, 
Last week, he matched Jesse James in targets with five. And this last week, he came through big time for us. He finished as the tight end one on the week. And he showed us his ability and his upside. And Jesse James only saw one target in last night's game. So I'm not blind and I'm not blindly stubborn. So I will say that (laughs) the the bulk of Vance McDonald's production. Okay, okay, okay. I try not to be. Unless I'm dealing with John Hogue. Right. <laughs> um, the bulk of Vance McDonald's production in last night's game came from that 75-yard touchdown catch and run, which is eerily similar to the 75-yard touchdown catch and run that I was preaching caution for uh, when it came to O.J. Howard. So, yeah, I mean, it was one big fluke play, but he still saw five targets, and he so he wouldn't have had a monster game, obviously, if without that play. But I think that he's definitely the better tight end in that offense, and it's nice to see a healthy game out of him. It's nice to see them use him. Um, I think that he's definitely uh, a priority pickup if you need tight end help. Yeah, and he might make Jesse James droppable. I, I would say that that is not an incorrect take. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like... That's the nicest thing I'll say about you sometimes, too, so... (laughs) Yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) You know you're not wrong, John. (laughs) (laughs) Not always. (laughs) All right, so my last one here, wide receiver Tyler Boyd. I think we got to talk about him. He is currently 17% owned. Um, He is the absolute clear wide receiver, too, on the Bengals. John Ross isn't even close. Um, That normally wouldn't mean all that much, the wide receiver two on the Bengals, but right now Andy Dalton and the Bengals and Tyler Boyd are playing well enough to where it does matter for fantasy football. Uh, After going three for 60 in week one, Tyler Boyd's last two weeks have been six for 91 in a touchdown and six for 132 in a touchdown. And he has just four less targets than A.J. Green on the season right now, and he actually is leading the Bengals in receiving yards. And he's the wide receiver 19 on the year. So I think that he needs to be 100% owned in fantasy football leagues. And I think he can be started from here on out until we see otherwise. I mean, he's still the wide receiver too. So he's going to have some down games, but he's getting enough volume to where he can be an every week starter for you as a wide receiver three. Yeah, I feel like we talked about him in the, in the last few weeks. Maybe not. Maybe we just missed on that one. But yeah, he needs to be owned. Um, I I think this is a week where his ownership sh- just shoots way up. And I don't think that he's going to be cheap anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, he's in the middle of one of those third-year breakout seasons. Yeah, so, what would you what what would you spend on Tyler Boyd? Man, if I needed a if I needed wide receiver help. And like I said, I mean, I think that right at the moment, it's it's probably it, it's not going to be cheap, whether you're picking somebody up or trading for them. So, you know, I think I would probably go somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 40 percent to get Tyler Boyd and not have to deal with that wide receiver position again for a while. Yeah, wow. I mean that'll probably that's probably right in the range. My first thought was twenty five percent, but you might not get him for that. If you had your choice between him and Calvin Ridley, which one would you go with? Oh man, 
uh, I think it's probably, I think it's Boyd for me. Um, yeah, I actually have, uh, you know, spoiler alert, one of my cells for this week is going to be Calvin Ridley. And that's oh. not, it's not because I think that he's bad or that this is unsustainable. I just think that Tyler Boyd is probably going to be more consistent. Um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right, so here are my ads for the week. Uh, I don't have a ton of drops for you. I mean, you could drop pretty much anyone uh, anyone off of Dallas other than Zeke, and I guess you have to keep Dak Prescott in a super flex league, but I don't want to. But some guys that I'm buying, first of all, quarterback, this is low-hanging fruit, but Josh Rosen is 2% owned in in, reg, in normal leagues, in a super flex redraft, it's probably, I'm sure it's more than that, but it very well could be below 30%. And, I mean, he's he was just named the starter for Arizona. And uh, this is, the Sam Bradford has just been so bad that I don't think that there's any real threat to Josh Rosen. Um I, I mean, I think that you're going to have to pay up quite a bit to get Josh Rosen at this point, but uh, I think that uh, that he's probably going to be worth it if you need warm bodies in a super flex. At running back, I'm going to give you Chris Ivory, 7% owned right now. I, and I was, <laughs> I was, I was on him in the preseason. Yeah, and you I were. <laughs> backed off of it because it looked like Marcus Murphy was gonna was gonna be the guy, and then the first time Lashawn McCoy misses a game, Chris Ivory gets you know more than double the touches of uh, of Marcus Murphy. So yeah, I guess we're back to Chris Ivory is the guy that you want in Buffalo. I mean, I would love. I would love to say that LaShawn McCoy comes back healthy and, and gives you the rest of the season, but I just don't believe that, and I never have. So, yeah, I think that you want the backup in Buffalo because I think this is going to be a trend for this entire the rest of the season with Shady McCoy. And Chris Ivory's the guy, and I'm actually— I agree. Okay. I, I agree for the most part. I, I agree that he is the guy to own. Mm-hmm. I agree that he— Probably will have a couple more useful games just because of the LaShawn McCoy situation. My only issue is I don't know how useful anyone on that offense is going to be. And yes, he just got 22 touches or whatever, and he had a great game. But how many games are the Bills going to lead by 27 points for three and a half quarters? <laughs> You know what well, I mean? If like they can that's do it against the that, Vikings. <laughs> that's the reason that Chris Ivory had such a good game. I mean, they were up by 27 points. They mm-hmm. were up the entire the entire game. Obviously, I mean, they won, but you know what I'm saying? Like they were like they were in insanely positive game script. And so Chris Ivory got the ball a ton. I just don't know that in a normal Bills game he's going to be that useful if they're if they're trailing. Yeah. So that's the only the only caution that I would that I would preach there. Yeah. Which which is totally fair. I don't know if game script is going to matter for them. I, this is just kind of a, a a team that's so limited on talent that you just kind of got to do what you can do. And sure, but how how useful was LaShawn McCoy in week 1 and 2? 
well, <laughs> but to he me that's a dead bad. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he was by far the most talented player on that team. Well, that it, that's the part that I that I've taken issue with all along, though. Is I don't you just think, think he's done. I I think he's done. Mm. I really do. Well, I mean, if that's your if that's your thought, then yeah, uh, your argument makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I also think that I I don't think that Josh Allen is going to vulture nearly as much work from the running backs as he did this past week. But but I, your point is well taken. I don't think that I, – I think the game script still matters, and I don't know that the Bills are going to be in a position to run all that often. So, Well, the when, Bills traded up for a running back at number seven overall for a reason. It's because he's a quarterback, John. That's why it was funny. Oh, gotcha! Another dad joke. Back. That it wasn't. Back. That dad joke wasn't dirty enough to land. For <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yep. Anytime I I try to make a joke and there's long periods of silence afterwards, I know that I've succeeded. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. All dad, right, who's <laughs> dad enough for that? All right, I got one more for you, and it's a tight end sticking with the Buffalo Bills. Logan Thomas is getting the most targets. In that entire passing offense from Ooh. Logan Thomas, tight end for the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> is Josh Allen's favorite target. That's Again, the Bills show. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, you you upset a team like the Minnesota Vikings, and you're going to get some airtime. So uh, this is so. I mean, there's there's going to be a little bit of a trend just on this show in general, which is like we said at the top, these quarterbacks are kind of are transitioning over and i think that the strategy in a super flex league well in any fantasy league when you get a new quarterback you want to try and figure out who who's the guy who's who's formed that chemistry with that quarterback who's going to be their top target well logan thomas is getting the most targets right now from from josh allen so i mean tight end is such a streamable position but i think that logan thomas could be a guy that you could that you could stream from time to time especially now that we're starting to get into bye weeks you know this this week we're without jordan reed and vernon davis um it's and it's only going to get tougher from here so logan thomas is going to be a guy who i think you're going to get some starts out of just because he's going to have those opportunities I am personally done giving the Bills airtime, so I'm ready to move on. <laughs> Deal. Yeah, I think that might, that's almost it, um, other than uh, a little bit of crapping on them coming up here in a minute. But <laughs> All right, James has some waiver wire pickups for us here as well. First up, he has quarterback C.J. Beathard, and I think that one's pretty obvious. I mean, he's, he's going to be one of the biggest pickups in Superflex leagues for sure with the Jimmy Garoppolo ACL injury. I think that um, we need to not go too crazy with this guy. Obviously, he needs to be picked up because uh, he's a starting quarterback and it's super flex. And especially, I mean, a lot of people just lost Jimmy Garoppolo. And so it's a lot of people lost Tyrod Taylor. I mean, there's definitely a need for a quarterback. But the problem with C.J. Beathard is he's not very good. And... So I don't know how often he's actually going to help you out. What do you? What are your thoughts on C.J. Beathard, John? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. So we got a couple questions about that on Twitter. 
um, you know, what to spend on, on CJ Beathard, what is his trade value? Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. Like when a quarterback becomes available in a super flex league, you know, particularly in dynasty, it's a lot harder to find these guys. It's a, it's pretty rare that a starting NFL quarterback is going to be on waivers. So when they are the, you know, the tendency is to, to just spend whatever it takes to get them. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know that Bethard is, is really that good. And I don't know that he's going to be able to hold the job all season they're trying out some veteran guys, Tom Savage and uh, who are some T.J. Yates, and I don't, I, I, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too, too worried about any of those names necessarily. But I mean, you still have to, you, you have to field a competent NFL team, and if, and I don't know for sure that C.J. Bethard is going to be able to do that for you. So I think that. You know that it could be a little bit of a of a revolving door the rest of the year without Jimmy Garoppolo there, and I don't know that I would want to spend a whole lot on Bethard. You know, if I unless unless he's going to be an actual every week starter for me, and even then, <laughs> I'm kind of talking through. This is kind of a stream of consciousness thing right here because even that if if that's the situation that I'm in where C.J. Bethard is going to be an every week starter for me, then I think I would prefer to start another position at the super flex position and, you know, lean into a down year and start re- reloading for two, uh, for 2019. So, and I don't think that I want to put any a whole lot of fab towards him i'll throw you know i think 20 percent is probably a good amount for for a quarterback in super flex and i would actually go a little more than that if i don't need him to be an every week starter if he's just just depth but i i don't think that i'm gonna do a whole lot more than that and like i said if he's if I'm looking at him as a potential every week starter for me, I'm just not even going to try it. James's next one here is Kalen Balaj, running back for the Dolphins, for those of you who don't know. Just kidding. Everyone knows who he is. <laughs> um, but he's 1% owned in redraft leagues right now. And I'm going to actually say I don't know why James would put him on here. Um, we'll have to ask him about that next week because I don't even think he's been active for a game. So. Maybe James is predicting that he will soon be part of the game plan, but he hasn't logged a regular season touch yet. I think we all kind of sort of liked the player coming into the year. I don't know that we thought he was going to be a big deal, but he's definitely got some upside. Um, His last one here, though, I can certainly agree with, and I was going to put him on here, but James made it to the show doc before I did. It's wide receiver Christian Kirk for the Cardinals, who is 3% owned right now. And it's kind of the same thing that you were just talking about with Josh Allen and whoever the hell Logan Thomas is. Um, <laughs> when you have whatever a new, when you Logan Thomas, <laughs> yeah. Whenever you have a, a change at quarterback, that opens an opportunity for 
potentially a shift in in target distribution and we don't know who this guy who this new guy is going to latch on to and that sort of thing and i would venture to say that we do know that josh rosen is going to latch on to christian kirk they've had a connection for years believe it or not and in the week that in last week when josh rosen came in for four and a half minutes at the end of the game because the Cardinals are stupid, he <laughs> targeted Christian Kirk three times in that in the last four minutes of the game. So he got four. He got three of his seven targets in the last four minutes with Josh Rosen. And so I think that there's definitely an opportunity here for Christian Kirk to be significantly more involved than he has been so far through this season. Yep. Yeah, I actually agree. Haven't been a Christian Kirk fan, but I mean, just the way this has all played out. I mean, it's been Josh Rosen throwing to Christian Kirk through the preseason and every day in practice, and now Josh Rosen takes over the starting job, and Christian Kirk is the guy that he built that rapport with. So, yeah, I'm I'm good with it in this case. So let's move on to some buys and sells. These are guys who are owned in 60% or more of Yahoo League, so you're not going to be able to add them, most likely. If they, if they are on waivers then uh then go for it but um most likely they're probably not yeah most likely you're gonna have to trade to acquire these buy guys and then uh the sell guys are are guys that you're not dropping they're not droppable but they're definitely guys who we would recommend moving on from um also in trade and uh we'll start with you as usual oh thank you sir yeah. Uh, my first sell is Kareem Hunt, and he was actually uh, he was actually a buy after the first week for me. And now I've just it's just gotten to the point where I've seen enough. Three games is a big enough sample size to where I feel comfortable in saying that the Chiefs just don't need Kareem Hunt. They don't need to use him enough to be a top tier running back like we thought he was going to be. Through, through three weeks of the season, Kareem Hunt has three targets, John, three. Mm-hmm. He has one catch for five yards. He didn't score a touchdown until this last week. And so now he's coming off of this big game where he scored two touchdowns. I think that we might need to use this to, to get Kareem Hunt off of our teams, man. He still only, he still only ran for 44 yards. But he scored two touchdowns, so I think that that's enough of a boost to uh, hopefully get a little something-something for him. I'm sorry, his first two rushing touchdowns. He, he did have a receiving touchdown in week two. Yeah. What do you think about selling Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I mean, if you can get full value, I'm down. I think that I, – I don't think that they're going to be able to, to just keep throwing uh, at the rate that they have been. I mean, as the weather gets colder, you you start to you put the snow tires on the big back and and start handing off more, and I so I think that Cream Hunt is is going to bounce back here, and it it might take another month though. So, uh, yeah, if you can get full value, I'm down. Word. All right, my next one is Kenny Stills. Um, and I don't know that you can get a whole lot for Kenny Stills right now. But there are some straight-up Kenny Stills truthers out there, and I've never been on board with that. I don't, I don't get it. 
I think that he is the same boom bust player that he has been for years. And he came out and had a big week one. And then like Kenny Stills does, he fell on his face in week two and he was useless for you. But then again, in week three, he came out and scored another touchdown. So I think that he's usable. I think that he's a decent upside flex player. But I think that there are still people that believe he's, you know, a, a, a high-end wide receiver two or something, and and they believe in the talent and they think that he's gonna produce all year long. And I just I think he's the same guy he's always been. So if you can find someone that values him high, higher than an upside flex play, I think that at, coming off of this game where he scored again, I think is a good a good move to get rid of Kenny Stills. All right, so for my first buy, I have Aaron Jones, our boy Aaron Jones, John. Yeah. He's back. He's here. Yes, he is. And he made a little bit of a splash in his first week back. Um, he finished third in Green Bay in in fantasy points out of the three of those running backs. But <laughs> in his first game back, he was given more carries than both Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery. Barely. He only had six. But he did get more than them. And he was the most effective of the bunch on the ground as well. He turned his six carries into 42 yards. His involvement in week in week three, I mean, just the fact that he had that much of a role in his first week back, along with the you know lackluster production from Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery through the first two weeks, both of those things combined tell me that he absolutely is going to be a fantasy factor this season, and his usage can only go up from here. So I'm totally on board with buying Aaron Jones right now. I don't know how cheap he's going to be, but it's not like he came out and had a big game. I mean, if people look at the fantasy points, he had a pretty bad game. So I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Aaron Jones? Yeah. I I mean, you and I have been on this all along. I He's just the more talented back. He's just the most talented back out of that entire group. And it's, it, you just, that just rises to the top. It always will, you know? So, and again, this was Washington's defense is no joke. They've uh, they're keeping the Redskins in a lot of games right now, and uh, that that's the reason they were able to pull off the upset of the Packers. So um, the fact that Aaron Jones was able to to run effectively against them says a lot. So yeah, I'm excited about Aaron Jones, and I think you're right. I think that this is a I think this is the last chance to buy Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think so too. All right, my next buy is David Njoku. And this kind of is along the same lines that we were talking about earlier when you have a quarterback changeover. This is all about taking a shot at increased production on what should be a better functioning offense with Baker Mayfield under center. And he didn't target him like crazy in in the the half that Baker Mayfield played this last week, but he did target him both of his two targets, like, you know what I mean? Uh, Tyler, Tyrod Taylor didn't target him at all. Um, he's only tight end 27 on the year so far. He has not been usable. He's got just nine catches through three games for 69 scoreless yards. But he is, at the same time, he's tied for the ninth most targets at the tight end position so far with 16. Um, so if those targets become better targets, and we also, there's an increased chance that he, he might even be used more. I, I think there's a chance that David Njoku becomes fantasy relevant. 
um, moving forward where he wasn't to begin the year. Yeah, I like that one. Um, we also should have had uh, Antonio Callaway in our ads for the week. Um, he's definitely under 33% owned, but kind of the kind of the same principle as David Njoku. These the target the targets are just going to go up significantly with Baker Mayfield. Antonio Callaway is actually exactly 33% owned right now. Really? Okay, maybe yep. that's why we skipped over him then. He's, he's yeah, but he did right see ten targets last week. Yep, yeah, that's, that's big. Yeah, those are going to be the two, the the primary beneficiaries. I mean, Jarvis Landry's still going to get the majority of the of the targets, but I mean, that doesn't really change from one quarterback to the next. But those two guys get the biggest bump, I think. So, yeah, those are those are two ads and buys. Um, for me, I'm an, I'm selling Calvin Ridley, and again. It's not that I think you have to just get him off of your roster. And in fact, in Dynasty, there's no way that I'm letting him go anywhere. But, you know, seven catches, 146 yards, three touchdowns. That's kind of the, that's the absolute ceiling for just about anyone, (laughs) including Calvin Ridley. But especially for a rookie wide receiver, in an offense that doesn't really target the wide receivers in the red zone, unless it really is something personal against Julio Jones, I don't think. I, I mean, it's not going to go this way. Those were uh, they were long touchdowns, and again, it, this offense just doesn't use the wide receivers down in the red zone. So, I mean, that's that's the only way that this happens is these guys score from distance. So, yeah, you're not going to see another week like this from Calvin Ridley. At least not this year. I I don't believe. Um, you're probably going to get some some more good production out of him if you do hang on to him, but I don't think that it's going to be predictable. So sell high right here, and then Josh Allen is is kind of the same principle. Just you know, this this week was a little bit fluky. He did it in a way that he's not likely to continue to do it, which was mostly ru- rushing the ball. So I I think that in a super flex, you can probably sell Josh Allen for quite a bit higher right now than where his value is going to ultimately settle at. Yeah, I can get on board with both of those. I just don't think Josh Allen's very good. He did have a very good game, and he, he played pretty well. Um, but yeah, it was largely the, the three touchdowns, two of which were rushing. Uh, but I mean, I think he does have a little bit of a rushing floor. I mean, he's an athletic guy and if he thinks he can succeed in that way, I don't think that's going to go away entirely, but this is absolutely going to be one of, if the, if not the best game of the season for, for Josh Allen. So I'm on board with that. Yeah. All right. So two guys that I'm buying though, Sony Michelle and carry on Johnson, and they're two totally different values from the same game on Sunday night. So Sony Michelle, even though he did absolutely nothing, the Patriots did absolutely nothing. Sony Michelle got the bulk of the work, and I mean he's he hasn't been super reliable, but they're still giving him a ton of work, which tells me that that's the way they want this to go. They want this offense to run through Sony Michelle, and uh, I think that they're going to be able to open things up a little bit more for him once they get Julian Edelman back and this offense. In 
even Josh Gordon, even though I don't think Josh Gordon really does a whole lot as an actual wide receiver, I think having him on the field and having to account for him allows you to do more offensively. So I think that this offense is is just going to look a little bit better going forward as they get start getting these guys on the field. And I think they're going to be able to do what they want to do, which is feed Sony Michelle. So I think you can get him actually pretty low right now. And he's going to be one of those second wave type of guys who's, you know, a little later in the season, he's going to start producing for you and, uh, and lead you to a, a handful of fantasy wins. Carry on Johnson. You know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, John. Do you know how many carries Sony Michelle got in week three? Uh, 14, 14. Yeah. Do you, do you know how many Rex Burkhead got? Will he get five? Not one. He got zero, zero oh, carries so for Rex Burkhead. All his touches were in the, the passing game. Two catches. Yeah. So, and he did leave with an injury, um, neck injury, I believe. Right. But I, I mean, yeah, that was later in the game. He he really wasn't on the field all that much. James White is still involved in the passing game, but Sony Michelle is going to be the Deion Lewis. And, in fact, he might actually be Deion Lewis plus some Rex Burkhead, <laughs> if you want to make that analogy. So, yeah, I just based on usage, and we say it all the time, you know, volume is king, opportunity is king. And Sony Michelle's got that. So my other guy is Carrion Johnson. Obviously, he's going to be far more expensive. I just think that he's going to be worth it. I think that there's still a little bit of a buy window here where you can get him a little bit cheaper than he's going to be in the next couple weeks. Because I think that the the Detroit Lions offense just runs better when you're giving the ball to Carrion Johnson, when you've got him involved in the passing game. And I think that that's, that's going to be the trend going forward. I think that's going to be their game plan is to ride on Johnson finally. And it also, to me, it it makes LeGarrette Blunt borderline droppable. And I think before long, Theo Riddick is also going to be droppable. I'm not quite ready to do it just yet, but I, I mean, he wasn't on the field very much either, so... I, I think that all of this is going to get funneled to carry on Johnson. And I think that we're about to see a guy who's going to go on a run that's going to lead to some fantasy championships. Yeah. I mean, I love carry on. I think you, you might have higher hopes, more loftier, loftier expectations than I do as far as him, you know, being a league winner. I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, he's still, he got 16 carries. He looked great. I love him. But LeGarrette Blunt also got 16 carries. A lot of it was in mop-up duty at the end when they took carry-on out so he wouldn't lose his 100 yards. But I just I think that they're going to use those guys. Hopefully it becomes you know, a 60-70% split for, for carry-on. And that, that would definitely lead to significant fantasy success. So I'm on board. I'm on board with buying him. I just don't know that he's going to be you know, a top 12 running back or anything like that. I'm kind of viewing him as this year's Kamara, but uh, we'll see. Woo. I mean, it's, I know it's a big statement, so um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. So James gave us a couple as well. So he's selling Matthew Stafford, and uh, why? <laughs> 
Why, James? Tell us why. <laughs> this this one, I don't know exactly what James's argument would be, but I will. I'll say that I don't always like the decision making of Matthew Stafford. He gets you a ton of yards, but I don't love the week to week, like the game logs. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't like that. That there's so there are a lot of of bad throws in there. There are a lot of missed reads in there. There's way too much throwing to Marvin Jones still. <laughs> so I I don't know. I I kind of get it. And the, it, I mean it's this also could be based on the fact that Carryon Johnson does give them finally a credible running game, which could take away some volume from Matthew Stafford. So. Um, I, I don't know if James and I are on the same page there. I'm just I'm just giving my if I was gonna make a case for selling Matthew Stafford, um there there are a lot of flaws for a for a quote unquote elite quarterback still. Yeah, I mean I'll buy him off you guys. Yeah, I, I think don't... that I think that he's the he's one of the safest floor quarterbacks you can have in Superflex. And he's got upside too. He's probably got the best passing game weapons around him that he's had in in years Mm -hmm. and so i I understand the argument um but i also think that having a good running game i mean it doesn't directly help the quarterback but i think that it it helps them it helps keep them on the field it helps sustain drives which creates more scoring opportunities Mm -hmm. so i don't know i mean i don't i don't know that carry on negatively affects him in my opinion and i just think that he's he's done it long enough to where we know like he's he's so safe and super flex man yeah like you have him as your qb2 and i I mean i would love i would love that all day yeah yeah i i will say i don't know for sure what i would sell him for i mean you've got to get a quarterback back in that deal and i don't know i mean maybe you could get one of these rookie guys but i don't know that i would want to do that i don't know that in a redraft league i don't know that i would want to get any rookie quarterback in a package where I'm right. giving up Matthew Stafford. So, right. So I'm mostly there, but speaking of rookie quarterbacks, he's saying by Baker Mayfield in a dynasty league. Absolutely. Um, in a redraft league, man, it's, it's possible that he's going to give you some startable weeks in a super flex league. Um, I'm just, I'm just happy that James is embracing Baker Mayfield. So I don't want to uh I don't want to disparage this call. I just wanna I just want this to be a big Baker Mayfield party where uh everyone, <laughs> Yeah man. <laughs> where James everyone's is... putting their hands on the table and keeping them there because... Yep. James is buying in. He texted me this morning. He said that he is absolutely in love with Baker Mayfield. And he thinks that it was absolutely the right call to take him at number one. He bought his jersey. It's in the mail. James is fully on board. And I think that we should embrace that, Sean. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and we should also uh, buy some shares in NyQuil. <laughs> because that's uh, that's what's driving that one, I think. But we'll take it. All right, one last segment. Let's do next week, this week. Guys who are on waivers right now that you can pick up this week before they become hot waiver priorities next week. And one last time, let's start with you. All right, I went with Ricky Seals-Jones. 
and it's it's not really a, a super strong argument because he hasn't been that good and he hasn't done that much. Um, but again, it just goes back to Josh Rosen's in there now. And so we just don't know as of right now how that passing game, how those targets are going to be distributed. And there's a chance that Ricky Seals Jones becomes a viable safety valve option for Josh Rosen and, and gets better targets and more targets than he has been. He's got 15 on the year. So it's not like they haven't been trying to use him. That offense is just blown. So I think that he, he's going to be free. I mean, no one's going to pick him up. He had one catch this last week. It was for a 35 yard touchdown, but that was from Sam Bradford. I, I just don't, I don't think there's going to be a, a demand there right now. I think you can just stash him for free and see how it goes for a week with Josh Rosen. See how, those targets get distributed because someone is going to emerge as a viable fantasy option on that offense with Josh Rosen. And I do think it's Christian Kirk, but I think there's also a chance that Ricky Seals Jones could become usable for us as well. I love that one. I almost put him in as one of my ads for the week, but I just, I couldn't stop talking about the bills um, after they put one on the, <laughs> on the Vikings. Bold strategy, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there was also just a little too much bias behind that uh, and some vitriol as well. I've got some really good friends who are Vikings fans. Um, you know, uh, Jake Anderson and uh, Scott Fish, obviously. Um, my friends that uh, I play in some Dynasty Leagues with. But I also, <laughs> there are some guys who are, who I know who were extremely entitled. And so and so seeing the Vikings lose was just something that I could not not talk about. So, but otherwise anyways, I digress big time because the point is I wanted to talk about Ricky Seals Jones. He was one of my favorite sleepers coming into the season. I don't know why the usage has been so so poor, but I think that that changes and I think that he's another guy Christian Kirk is going to be the, the the main beneficiary of Josh Rosen starting, but uh, Ricky Seals-Jones is a close second, so I love that one. I've got a couple for you here. Uh, Nick Chubb, first of all. So Carlos Hyde is third in the league right now in, in uh, carries, and uh, that doesn't count his uh, receptions as well. And as good as Carlos Hyde has looked, the more a running back touches the ball, the more likely it is that he starts to deal with injuries. Carlos Hyde historically has, has dealt with injuries anyways. We don't say injury prone around here, but uh, Carlos Hyde has has dealt with that before. You put that type of workload on him. You put that type of volume on him, and he tends to break down to it eventually, and I think that that's coming, and, then, and Nick Chubb is the next man up. And uh, on a on what's going to be a very dynamic offense going forward, and then the second guy is Hayden Hurst, who I mean I don't even know for sure when he's coming back from his injury, um, but right now the Baltimore Ravens all they're really missing is that one kind of go to tight end. They've got just a, a just a massive amount of guys right now they're that they're throwing to with Nick Boyle and Max Williams and Mark Andrews. And I think all of that can be consolidated into one guy, and it's going to be Hayden Hurst at some point. So this might be a little premature, but you know when Hayden Hurst comes up, 
comes back from injury, I think that he takes over a much needed role on that Ravens offense that overall is is very good. Um, just missing that one element. Uh, Nick Chubb, especially, I love Nick Chubb. Um, at, he is definitely not usable until Carlos Hyde misses time. Right. He's not getting any work at all. I mean, he's getting like two carries a game. So it's definitely just a stash and, and wait for for kind of the workload to get to Hyde, which isn't something – I mean, we're not rooting for an injury here, but it it, it is playing the odds. And so I, I agree with you there. And Hayden Hurst is definitely – seemed to be the favorite coming into the year. They're using this crazy committee with all three of these guys pretty evenly. Mark Andrews emerged a tiny bit last week. Uh, he got three targets. The other two got one. So I don't know how much we can really take from that. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely like the idea of Hayden Hurst taking over as the main tight end target there. It looks like he's not going to be back until, like, at least week five at the earliest. He's probably going to miss week four for sure. And maybe not even then. But, yeah, this week, next week makes sense. Yeah, hopefully. All right, one more for you, and this is James's guy, Austin Hooper, who, man, I've had a problem with the the overall Falcons offense all along, but I, I'm this one I could, I guess I could kind of see it. I mean, again, you can't count on what Calvin Ridley just did every single week. That the more likely scenario is those long plays turn into shorter, shorter plays on sustained drives which just kind of adds, you know, potential volume, potential targets for everybody in the offense. And Austin Hooper very well could be the red zone target, you know, especially if uh, if Devonta Freeman continues to miss time. And I'm stretching a little You're bit. You're really here. struggling <laughs> to make a case for Austin Hooper here, I can tell. Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm I'm try I, I mean I feel like we we haven't done justice to very many of James's calls here. Uh, well, that's cuz they've been bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, James. <laughs> I I mean I I get it. I I don't think I'm on board with it just because they don't they never have. They don't use the tight end position enough for them to be, you know, weekly starters. Um so I mean, he scored a touchdown. He's got 13 targets on the on the year so far, but I mean, especially now with the emergence of Calvin Ridley as another viable target for Matt Ryan, I don't know that there's going to be enough volume there for Austin Hooper to become, you know, fantasy relevant as more than just a, a low end streamer play. Yeah, but James, if you're listening, take notes, man. We want to hear your your uh, excuses. I mean, reasons for <laughs> for these guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm definitely interested to to hear from James on some of these because I mean he he ends up making a good case for for all of his calls when he's that's when true. He's here. So it's you true. know, there's there's probably something that we are missing here. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say don't don't add Austin Hooper, especially when you can do it for free. I'm sure there's a reason for it that I just haven't really thought about. I mean. Like I said, maybe he was maybe he was DMing Matt Ryan on Twitter and and he told him he was going to throw three touchdowns to Austin Hooper next week. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's probably that's probably that's the most likely situation I think. <laughs> yeah, he got Matt Ryan's number from Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
All right, we're going to wrap it right there for the week, or at least for this episode. We'll be back in a few days. That's not it for the week. We still have a ton of matchups to get through uh, here at the end of the week. So we'll be back then. But in the meantime, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're listening on iTunes, if you would give us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate that. It helps us out. It helps us to expand our reach and grow our audience so that we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And while you're at it, check out Travis's solo show, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show. He's going five days a week, 30 minutes or less per episode, and getting just a ton of advice jammed into those 30 minutes. You can send us your trades on Twitter, at SuperFlexShow. We can retweet them, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even analyze them right here on the podcast. And uh, as we go through the season, we're going to start doing more and more trade analyses. And while you're at it on Twitter, follow Travis. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And until next time, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye.